Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am Juice. You're taking time to listen to this episode today. And this episode is part of a fire webinar interview that I had the opportunity to host on the IAC Inclusion Allies Coalition community. And this community, first of all, let me, let me talk about the community first. The community is dope. Uh, uh, for me, it's been an amazing space where I had the chance to engage with diversity, equity, inclusion practitioners from all across the globe at various levels in their journey and being able to learn quite a bit about what they've seen and experienced and be able to take some of that information and insight to help me in my DEI journey as a practitioner to create these inclusive communities where every identity belongs and thrives. But on this conversation and this webinar that we got to put on, we were able to, I was able to host a powerhouse full of panelists who are in my generation, millennials and Gen Z, to talk about what DEI looks like for our generation and beyond and be able to share some of that insight of what does it look like to push the conversation forward within these spaces. So it, first of all, most of you are interested in these type of conversations like this one, I would highly suggest you join IAC, the Inclusion Allies Coalition community. I'll drop the link in the show notes and you can be a part of these types of webinars, very interactive, very engaging, and be a part of the discussion that helps push the conversation forward within the DEI space. But what I want to present to you all in this ep in these series of episodes uh, is uh, breaking down the webinar to three different parts. And this episode is part one, where we get to introduce the panelists part of the conversation and talk about the unconventional ways that we approach DEI <laughs> and how we bring that insight into our leadership and creating these inclusive workplaces. So be sure to check out this episode titled unconventional journey and i would love for hear your insight <laughs> and i would love to hear what your thoughts about this episode today yeah it's your boy ray ray on the mic let's go uh let's go ahead and jump into this i will share my screen and we'll do this introduction that uh i'm excited for uh something that margaret stated is that you know the dei field is difficult, it's tough, it's a lot going on in our world, um, and it could be really hard and taxing and tiring. And one thing that I'm doing a better job of is practicing what joy looks like and what resiliency looks like for me. And I want to share that before we dive into this conversation with our panelists. So what did, as the panelists know, uh, when you introduce yourself, your picture will show up. I would like to say your name, your position you hold in the world, and how, what describe the photo that gives you joy. So I'll go first. My name is Ray. Uh, like, like as stated, um, I wear many hats in the IAC space, but uh, my day gig is an IT supervisor at a local healthcare institution, but uh, on the side and mostly all the other things which we'll talk about uh, when it comes to how DEI, how we come into our DEI field is speaking, consulting, content creation, podcasting, as you can see, uh, and ways in which to create inclusive communities where every identity belongs and thrives. And this photo gives me joy. Uh, this is my family here, uh, my wife and three boys now, <laughs> which is wild to think about, uh, of six, four, and almost eight weeks. And this is something that uh, I look forward to every day, which probably will bump, come through that door in a few moments. So uh, that being said, let's move to the next person, Chantel. Um, thank you, Ray. And thanks for having me today, everyone. My name is Chantel and my pronouns are she, her. 
I am the Senior Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Manager at Convene and something that brings me joy. There are sunsets traveling in the beach. Uh, this photo in particular was from one of my trips to Curacao. Um, it was a wonderful lobster dinner on the beach. And this photo is not edited in any type of way. That is what the sky looked like. Um, so I'm really out here just chasing sunsets. Oh, hashtag no filter. I think that's yeah. the I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, anyway, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Of course. Abby. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Abby Combs, the Inclusive Diversity um, Program Manager at Granite Construction. Um, and these are my two little ones. So any uh, moment that I'm not working, I am with my children. So um, I have a four-month-old and an almost 18-month-old. So they keep me very, very busy. Thanks, Abby. Appreciate you sharing that. Maddie. Hi, everyone. I'm Maddie Waldron. I'm a senior associate at Saramount EAB. And this is a travel picture like Chantel. I took this picture in Nice, France last year. Um, I love traveling so much. I was in France for about two weeks last year. Yeah, last year. And it was amazing. So sweet. Thank you for sharing that. And Michaela. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Michaela Williams. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, uh, and I am a uh, DEI and mentoring consultant um, with ISG. Uh, and this is a photo I was at a Jews of Color retreat um, in November. Um, and I previously worked in the Jewish community as like a young professional. Um, and I just really like being able to sort of get together with um, people who have uh, sort of walked similar paths uh, to me and sort of being able to relate in community like that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, uh, I would encourage everybody in whatever space you are a part of that you are in, that you take the opportunity to um, ask those questions of what brings you joy, what brings the other people joy, because this work can be hard. Um, as I was reminded um, in another call or another conversation, uh, I believe Martin Luther King, don't, you know, you might have to quote me on this, but Martin Luther King, um, in his biopsy, his heart was of an older individual, like an older person, like he died young, but his heart, his stress, everything that was wearing on his shoulders when it comes to caring for this work um, was beyond his current state of, uh, of his year. So it's just like, hey, how do we take a step back and realize you know, as people, as human beings, uh, to take care of ourselves in this work? And it's important to do so along the way. But in this conversation, as we talk about what DEI looks like in our field, uh, one of the first questions I would love to ask, and actually it came about in our pre-session of uh, designing this, is that we all came into this work on, in, in non-traditional formats, right? It isn't like we just got out of school and immediately went and become DEI practitioners. There was some stretch of transition or un unofficial work that occurred. So I would love for each person to share a bit about what, what was that journey, like a, like a, a snippet or highlight of some of your journey to the of work that you're doing today. Um, and I see Michaela first, so we'll start with you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, as I said, I previously worked um, in the Jewish community um, and like basically a community center for college campuses. Um, and it was my very first job out of college and it, I was a social justice coordinator. So my work kind of already overlapped um, based off of that interest. But I was just seeing things and experiencing experiencing things firsthand as one of the only Black people in most rooms, um, one of the only people of color in most rooms, and, and also as a woman. And so 
I think my the sort of beginnings of my DEI journey just kind of organically came by just being who I am in the world um, and noticing things that were that I viewed as, as unacceptable um, and wanted to change. Um, and yeah, I think that was um, sort of the start of it all for me. And that gave me the sort of passion to say, no, I actually, I want to do more of this. I, I don't want to just do this for me and myself. I want to do this for other people. Um, and so that kind of um, springboarded my, my career into uh, DEI. Look, y'all, we've been in the pandemic or doing this thing for how long and we still can't find a mute button. I, I'm so sorry. That's a terrible host on me. My bad. Abby, please go next. <laughs> no problem. Um, so I kind of, I, so I have a hospitality degree, so no uh, formal setting. It was always my goal to go into hotel management. And um, so out of college I did, and I worked in hospitality for 10 years and um, achieved a senior leadership role. I was a director at a local resort here in the town that I live, um, it's right on the beach that we, I got to see some beautiful sunsets quite often. Um, but then when the time came that I was ready to start my family, um, that really threw a wrench into working in the hospitality system, which is nights, days, weekends, long, long hours. Um, and so I was looking for a change um, while also going through a huge shift in my uh, persona as well. So I came to uh, Granite here and uh, as an EA role just to kind of find some sort of um, balance in a corporate position and um, our VP of diversity and inclusion needed some help. And it was, I was like drawn to, I felt like this is where I was meant to be. So. Um, that's kind of how I got here. Appreciate that. Thank you. Let me make sure I'm not on mute. All right, cool. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Chantel, can you go next? Of course. So similar to Abby, I also have a degree in hospitality and tourism management. Um, I have a specialized focus in event management as well. Uh, so after graduating, I went into the hotel and events world for over a decade, um, which eventually led me up to Convene, which is uh, events and meetings center outside of hotels um, and from that I really wanted to place the focus on helping people just not for a one-time event where people are coming and going we wanted to make that everlasting change uh, so I shifted that focus to focus more on our employees and that's kind of how I got into DE&I work starting off being an ERG lead and then taking it upon myself to go to our leadership team saying, hey, we need this to be a real thing with a function, with a leader and with resources. So that's how I got into this work. Thank you. Thank you. And Maddie. Hi, everyone. So I was actually lucky enough to come into DEI while I was in college. But prior to that, I was coming into this work from politics. Um, I'd been interning and working in local politics and public policy um, from the time I was in high school up until my sophomore year when I realized I just didn't want to work in that space anymore. Um, but I've always had a desire to be an advocate for people. And so I was talking to one of my college advisors about what I could possibly do for a career shift. And she actually recommended going into DEI. Um, I don't know if anyone on the call is familiar with Northeastern, but we have a program called Co-op where we're able to take off um, six months from classes to do full-time work. And so that's how I got my introduction into DEI. I did, I had my first co-op at TripAdvisor where I was on um, the city and inclusion team. Um, 
And I just really fell in love with the work while I was there. So I'm super grateful to have found this passion so early into my career. That's good. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing that. And and I would hope that as we keep the conversation and continue the discussion, uh, you you will see parts and pieces that everybody's story and journey pulls into this work that informs them to do the work in their currently <clears throat> Right. Um, I, I got my degree in sociology and American ethnic studies, but my the path that at least was created at that time in you know 2012 or whatever was like, all right, you could be a professor or a nonprofit uh, executive or something of that nature, but didn't really get the sense of the, I think the DEI or like the chief diversity officer titles and roles wasn't as formed yet. Uh, obviously until years later, where now is one of the mainstays in a lot of executive rooms. Um, and so uh, while I kind of fumbled and stumbled my way to a lot of community work, found my way as an IT supervisor and that team dynamic and team development in that way, uh, and seeing people and helping them grow, we have to incorporate their identities as well. And, and, and as a part of that journey too, and not turn a blind eye or have a, a um, colorblind perspective when there are identities that are representing into our spaces. And so I think because of that and finding that that's not common in a lot of areas, not many folks have that lens um, as we've seen in recent world news, <laughs> uh, being able to be one of those voices to help carry that forward, but not just talk about it from a, a pontifications perspective, but actually work with people and helping integrate that as a part of the work. So um, that's kind of what I bring to the space too. But one of the main things is that, I, I, you know, I believe, and I don't want to, I don't want to assume I'm a millennial. If you want to go around real quick and articulate what generation you're from. I'm Gen Z. I'm that weird cusp that depending on which list you check, I'm either Gen Z or millennial. I think I'm more Gen Z though. Um, I'm a millennial. I also heard us refer to as the Spice Girls generation. So I will accept that as well. Right. Um, I'm also a millennial. Yes. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. My, uh, my older bro uh, brother-in-law, he's uh, in about to turn 40. I believe, and he was considered like a senior millennial. I I called him that one day and he hated it. So I'm like, there it is. But, <laughs> um, but the conversation we're bringing to the table is obviously how do we see this work through our lens? So I appreciate the that we have a mixture of Gen Z millennials to this work. But tell us a little bit from your perspective and um, uh, we'll go with uh, Abby, you first of just, what does the difference look like a DEI between our millennial, millennial generation versus the other generations. How do you, do you see any difference at all? Any perspective in that? Oh, yeah. I mean, even just talking about these topics to my parents, um, you know, let alone the workplace on how like even something like pronouns, I feel like my generation, um, it's not really a big deal to us if someone wants to be referred to by their pronouns or to be asked what mine are. I'm not um, offended by that in any sense, even though I, I feel that I present as female and it maybe could be apparent to someone, but I'm not offended. Whereas someone I know or I have seen um, in a different generation might not appreciate that or understand um, like the use of they is very, um, can be clunky sometimes if you're not used to it. So um, yeah, some differences. I think the maybe openness is not as there to talk about something, but um, it's changing, I think understanding how to have the conversation. Others, are there any other differences that you recognize too from the work that you are doing or just? I feel like the political landscape has really informed um, sort of like the conversations 
that I even will have with my own friends. Um, I'll talk to my parents about it where it's like, yeah, I wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, both my parents are um, biracial and my dad's like, yeah, I don't know that I'd necessarily talk to my white friends about racism when I was growing up. Like, I don't know that that's a conversation that I would approach. Whereas for my generation, at least the people that I'm surrounded by, it's pretty much expected. Like the fact that that wouldn't come up uh, in conversation at all um, with me and my white friends or that, um, you know, other kinds of um, forms of oppression wouldn't come up to have a conversation about identity um, is like a wild idea, I think, to my generation. Yeah. And building off of that, um, social justice was such a big part of my coming of age online. And I'm sure a lot of millennials can relate to that, too. Um, it's just something that a lot of younger people are constantly thinking about in a way that older generations maybe haven't experienced just because it wasn't as accessible as it is now. Um, social justice literature and discourse wasn't really something that I had to seek out. It just came to me through Facebook or Tumblr or Twitter, whatever social media I was using. And because this work is so ingrained into who we are, I think that there's more of a sense of urgency um, in getting the work done with Gen Z and millennials. Um, and that's why I think accountability and transparency are becoming more important than ever. Like we wanna see where your pledged dollars are actually going and how much progress you're making on your hiring and your retention and your board diversity and so on. In which that that it, it brings me to think about because I think what we talked a little bit there's tension there right of experiences that we are seeing what we want to bring to the table and the work that we are doing with uh, you, you know even within our own generation and other generations around us um, so I'm intrigued to kind of know like how do you navigate that tension um, what are some of the ways and tactics that you like reflect and express that uh, within the work to keep the work going like what what does that look like for you know in here for me I think it it's about meeting people where they are. Um, you really have to get to know the audience or or the team members or the teams that you're working with, see where their knowledge is at and kind of find that that point of connection to call them in and and it's not like, hey, I'm telling you it's this or or that. It's okay. I can see why you think this way. Like here's some other examples of how you can expand your thinking. Yeah, I think that's a calling people in. I think, you know, you mentioned that like rather than calling people out for what they said wrong, um, right? I think it relates into one of these questions we kind of got about like the patience for the slow pace. And there's like definitely some urgency with our generation. I feel for me personally, sometimes like getting my head and heart aligned and knowing like maybe what I would do in my personal life and how I feel about things is not always the case of how my company is going to do and handle things. So um, having someone to talk through that with. Um, so I feel that, you know, me and my um, internal team here spend time like discussing like, okay, how would we gonna handle this? Like um, when Roe v. Wade was rolled back, um, lots of companies put out statements. We had to discuss whether our company was that's something that as a woman, I resonate with like very strongly, but what is right for my company might not be what is right for me personally, which can be challenging sometimes. I have um, three younger sisters, but my youngest sister is definitely like feels that companies need to be aligned with her personal views. And that's like very strong that she feels um, where they think I at least have a little bit more understanding. 
that we're going through change management and that takes time. Yeah, I think that ties to one of the statements in the chat of the biggest difference of that sense of urgency of that expectation that things need to happen right away. So, which I honestly, yes, I mean, my Twitter feed every second, so something new, right? And so that instant of here's the news, news is happening or actually, you know, because I see it uh, definitely plays into my thought process as you stated, Abby, of, all right, like this just happened. We need to do something today or we're going to be falling behind or whatnot, right? But uh, that's not always the case because there are multiple facets, especially in the organizational context that we have to wheel through. And before we could just immediately make something happen today, right? Or make a change. So I see, yeah, so folks are continuing to share the, or, or people reiterating what generations we're from, which is great. So I appreciate that. 